The American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports, a monthly news magazine containing topics of interest to people who are blind or have low vision. I'm Mike Duke. This month... The 21st Century Telecommunications and Video Accessibility Act has been passed, signed, and is now the law. Learn about this new law and about other advocacy efforts as the American Council of the Blind presents ACB Reports for November 2010. Eric Bridges is the Director of Advocacy and Government Relations for the American Council of the Blind. Along with many ACB members and other disability groups, Eric has been working tirelessly to achieve the passage of the 21st Century Telecommunications and Video Accessibility Act. That diligence came to fruition when President Obama signed the bill into law on October 8th. Eric, to lift and paraphrase a famous line of rock and roll poetry, what a long, strange, and sometimes fast trip it's been. It has been an extraordinary few months dealing with the uh, 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act and also the quiet car legislation. It all sort of came to a head over the summer. And, right in um, the middle of the ACB convention, as I recall. With regard to the telecommunications bill, it most certainly did. The bill really started moving and continued to move through the summer and... Uh, on July 26th, the House passed H.R. 3101, sent it over to the Senate, and the Senate already had its own version of that bill, S-3304, and they took some aspects of H.R. 3101 and made 3304 much better. So on August 5th, right before they left for the August recess, uh, the Senate passed the bill and sent it over to the House. There were several technical errors in the bill, nothing substantive, but stuff dealing with misnumbering of sections or subsections, uh, grammatical errors, typos, things of that nature. So what we elected to do was get the Senate to put together a technical amendments bill, which would correct the mistakes that had been made. And on September 29th, uh, Tuesday night, around 9.30, the House of Representatives passed S-3304, the 21st Century Communications and Video Accessibility Act, and the Technical Amendments Bill. And then from there, it went on to the president for his signature. And I'm very proud to say that on uh, October the 8th, President Obama, during a formal White House signing ceremony, signed our bill into law. And um, today, as we're speaking, on uh, October 13th, the public law number was released for the law, and it is... 111-260. So it is a law in every sense of the word. Now it has to be implemented through the regulatory process at the Federal Communications Commission. As is so, the case with anything just about that's passed by Congress, it has to now go through that tedious process. Yes, and it is tedious, but it is more important than ever that the membership weigh in when notices of proposed rulemaking, and other public notices come out as a result of this law. Because the advocacy is really only 50% done. This previous part of getting a bill through Congress is often seen as sort of climbing the summit. 
and then looking down and going, wow, look at everything we did, which is true. And it's definitely time to celebrate. But we also need to stay focused and make sure that as the FCC looks to implement a lot of these provisions, that they do it in a way that is in keeping with the writing of the law and also the spirit of the law. All those lobbyists and lawyers that worked against the bill's enactment are just now going to move from Capitol Hill to the Federal Communications Commission. We'll be dealing with them there. (laughs) So there is no rest for the weary. No, there isn't. But, you know, things that are worth fighting for are uh, difficult at times. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And, you know, as we enter into this period, it's very critical that we keep our focus as an organization, Um, keep our eye on the prize, because... A lot of the stuff that is being enacted in this legislation for the blindness community has never been done before. So we want to make sure that what we get implemented is as strong as possible. You know, having the on-screen menus, access to televised emergency information, actually having video description required through statute this time, and dealing with the achievable compliance standard, which is still a little fuzzy and its applicability to any number of those provisions, along with accessibility of cell phones. A lot of this has never been done through statute. 255 covered phones, but unfortunately, the enforcement of that by the FCC has never really borne much fruit for the community in terms of actually having an accessible cell phone or a choice in accessible cell phones. So it's a landmark piece of legislation But how it's implemented is going to be very crucial. How soon would this regulatory process begin? It could begin in terms of proposed rulemakings and advisory committees within the next six months or so. Something that most people are going to love to hear is that a year from last Friday, video description is going to be required in the top 25 designated market areas. So that'll be four hours a week on the four broadcast networks and the top five cable channels. That's something that we'll see begin a year from now, which is pretty exciting. It basically then takes us back to where we were before the court told the FCC, you can't do that because Congress didn't tell you you could. Yes. Now, there are other things in this bill that are blindness-related and deafblind-related also. Talk about some of those. There's going to be funding on a yearly basis, uh, roughly $10 million a year for individuals who are deafblind and low income to assist in the purchase of telecommunications devices. We all are aware that assistive technology is really expensive, and especially Braille displays can be cost-prohibitive to a lot of people. The deafblind population is one that struggles even more with employment than the blindness community does. And so there's less disposable income to go and purchase devices just so individuals can communicate with one another and really be an active member of of society. So this fund will assist these individuals in purchasing that equipment, which, frankly, it shouldn't take disposable income for this population to go out and buy these things because these are very necessary communications devices. Is this the first time that such things have been funded at this level for deafblind people? I believe so, at this level, yes. The Helen Keller National Center gets appropriated funds each year for the services that they provide. But in terms of 
the specific carve-out, and, and this is not appropriated funds. They're taking $10 million out of a fund that has roughly a billion dollars in it every year, the TRS fund. So it's not a cost to the taxpayer, which is a really good thing. And it was a creative idea that Coate had, and in the era of huge deficits and stuff, Congress thought that this was the right way to go as well. This is ACB Reports from the American Council of the Blind and ACB Radio. Our guest is Eric Bridges, who is the Director of Advocacy and Government Relations for ACB. So, Eric, the bill has now been passed. It's been signed into law. What do members and friends of ACB need to do next? It would be great if members could reach out to their members of Congress who supported the bill to say thank you. This was um, a very extraordinary thing that happened. Number one, not much legislation has been passed by both bodies and sent on to the president that's of any substance. It means a great deal that this legislation made it through on its own merits. It wasn't attached to a larger legislative vehicle that was moving. It was its own freestanding piece of disability policy. And without the leadership and shepherding by really both parties, this would have never come to fruition. And so I think it's most appropriate to call or send letters, go to town hall meetings, and thank the members that stood up and supported this legislation. Saying thank you is a big thing. It is. Some folks may have been voted out, but many will still remain. And those that will remain, we will be coming to them in the future to ask for more advocacy, more assistance, because our job isn't done. While we got a lot in this bill, there was a lot that we had to compromise on in order to get a bill. It's one of the realities of getting legislation passed. Uh, It never happens in a vacuum. You can never just snap your fingers and make it so, (laughs) even though I wish we could. So there's more work to be done uh, in the arena of telecommunications, video programming, because of its very nature. It's a constantly evolving arena technology-wise. And so what we've done here is we've got our foot in the door through statute, which is a very important first step to take. Now what we need to do is see this bill's natural maturation through the regulatory process, and then most likely in a couple of years, go back for more. How many congressional sessions did it take to get that foot in the door? Well, in terms of an actual bill being introduced by a member of Congress, it took two congressional sessions. But there was work that started in 2005, before I came to work at ACB, on developing a list of provisions that both the blind and deaf communities would want to see in a piece of telecommunications legislation. I remember some of those discussions at uh, various legislative seminars. Yeah. Getting a process like this started oftentimes is the most difficult. Um, Sitting people down, talking to them about what it is they actually want. And being as specific as possible, it's almost like a Christmas list, right? You know, if, if you had your wish, what would you like to see? So you get that done with, and then what you want to do is find other organizations that are willing to join with you in support of your provisions. In the case of COAT, COAT really rose up with the sensory disability community, the deaf and hard of hearing community and the blind and visually impaired community coming together 
realizing that it probably wasn't all that likely that either one of those communities on its own would get a comprehensive piece of legislation passed. So what happened was they banded together and created COAT, the Coalition of Organizations for Accessible Technology, and put together a piece of draft legislation and uh, took it to Congressman Ed Markey of Massachusetts and then ultimately was introduced. So from there, the rest of the world got to see it (laughs) when it was introduced and went through hearings, two hearings in the House. Well-attended hearings, by the way. Yes, very well-attended. 2008 and in June of this year, and also a Senate hearing in June of this year. And um, the representation of uh, the ACB membership was right there from the very beginning with retired Sergeant Major Jesse Acosta talking about his challenges since he lost his sight in combat and really being a compelling witness Uh, He was seen as sort of the star because he represents every blind man or woman that just has difficulty doing some basic things on a day-to-day basis that really we shouldn't have difficulty doing, whether it's gaining access to the televised emergency information that comes across the bottom of the TV screen or finding a cell phone that's accessible that meets their need. You know, he testified to all of that, and he did a brilliant job and really made a persuasive case for us. And the deaf community had their own witnesses that did very much the same thing. But it was a process through not just the actual hearings, but through the negotiations that we had with industry and with committee staff on Capitol Hill. Uh, There was a lot of give and take. And at times it felt like maybe we gave more than the other side did. But ultimately, we came out with a piece of legislation that I think really does the community proud. It's never going to be where we want it to be. Part of that is because we're advocates and we're never really satisfied. (laughs) (laughs) But also part of it is what you have is a clear foot in the door and you have something more than just incremental change. It's going to be incumbent upon this organization in the years ahead to keep on the Federal Communications Commission about several of these provisions and to make our advocacy known over there, as well as on Capitol Hill. The deadline for commenting about your experiences as a blind or visually impaired person in obtaining and using a cell phone is coming up on Friday, October 15th. Talk briefly about what will happen with that information. Was that driven in part by feeling at the FCC that this legislation would pass, or was this something they were already working on? Yes, it was. Part of it was also a nod to the 20th anniversary of the ADA as well, when it was um, put out in late July. The FCC at this day and time is a far more friendly institution than what it has been for, you could almost argue, maybe the last 15 years. There are individuals that work over there on disability-related issues that really understand and are sympathetic to the challenges that the community currently has in the area of wireless devices. And so they put out this notice, and um, they're very gracious in um, extending the comment period. They were gracious, but there was actually a very good reason for why they wound up extending the period, and that was because 
the electronic comment filing system that they make available for folks to register their comments is really not very accessible to screen readers. <laughs> it's not accessible to people that can see. <laughs> right. It's, um, and it's I, a mess. It's it, probably the best way it, to put it. It is. I mean, I've done it with somebody looking over my shoulder just to make sure I was doing it right, and it still took lots of time to jump through it. So it's not just a limitation of screen readers. It is a convoluted process. And... Uh, to have that opportunity given to us to simply send someone an email and saying, here's my issue about cell phones, and have that email count on the record is a pretty amazing accomplishment in itself. It is. And um, for what it's worth, they are looking at making this process more user-friendly. So we can look for uh, better things from them in the future as it pertains to filing comments. And it's something that we as an organization have raised with the commission actually quite recently. And I I think it it helped to spur them to extend the comment period. That type of access issue is also being addressed by something in the Justice Department. Uh, Can you talk about the comment period that ends in mid-January, I think, uh, about some proposed changes to regulations? There are really three advanced notices of proposed rulemaking that the Department of Justice has released. Again, they released these notices right around the 20th anniversary of the ADA, late July. They want to look at web accessibility, number one, and in particular, the accessibility of the Internet to individuals who are blind. So that's a really nice thing. Now, is this websites in general or government websites specifically or both? Both. The next one is dealing with um, video description and closed captioning, which is also very nice given um, what we now know is contained in uh, our new law. So it dovetails pretty decently with that. And then also a notice on equipment, which is a pretty broad notice. Now, all of these are advanced notices of proposed rulemaking, which is, from an advocate's view, more frustrating because it takes more time. Essentially, what they've done is they've added a step because a lot of the rulemaking starts as a notice of proposed rulemaking that takes a lot less time than an advance notice. Um, it could be a couple years before we get to a formal notice of proposed rulemaking. So the advance notice is really there because they want to find out what the public wants them to really focus on in those three areas. ACB is in the process of developing comments that we will um, make available to members so that they can view them and also take from them what they wish to do their own comments. The comments are due January 21st of uh, 2011. Any idea when the ACB comments will be out there? By the end of the year. Give us a quiet car update. Unfortunately, I don't have a big update to provide. Other than our language, which is consensus language, that was arrived at by the auto industry, Congress, the Department of Transportation, and the blindness community. That language is contained in both the House version and Senate version of the Motor Vehicle Safety Act of 2010. Both of those bills are still awaiting floor action in their bodies. The House bill is considered the more controversial bill of the two. Let me be clear, our provision is non-controversial. Everybody supports it, Republicans, Democrats, it doesn't matter. But there are other larger issues dealing with the Toyota safety issues from earlier in the year, which is why they created this bill. There are other larger outstanding issues that are impeding both of those bills 
from continuing to move through the legislative process. The date has been set for the mid-year meeting and legislative seminar. It will be coming up at the end of February. When will the agenda for the legislative part of that meeting be set? In January. It just uh, depends upon what gets done in November. And then we're going to need to sit down and uh, really look at the lay of the land in terms of committees, who's going to be chairing, who's in charge, and then formulate a plan of action for how we want to proceed with our legislative agenda. It's been a really good year. I mean, we got a large piece of our agenda off the table. Now, what that means is that we need to really hone in on the next piece to put up on the table and uh, communicate that with the membership. So because we got so much of what we had been talking about for so long in the legislative seminars done or in process this year, does not lessen the importance of such a meeting in 2011? Well, certainly not. You know, it's an evolution, right, of what it is we as an organization elect to do next, because there's always more to be done. So it's it's simply a, a way for us to evaluate what issue or issues should take priority going into the 112th Congress. What's it like being at the White House for a signing ceremony? It's a unique experience. I've had the good fortune of being at three of them. But the first two that I attended, I was there as a guest, obviously, and I was happy to be there. But those two signings, I really had very little to do with the legislation that moved through the process. The thing that made it so sweet for me on Friday was that ACB played a huge role in moving the legislation through the process. We were recognized as a leader in the community and by Congress in advocating for the legislation and the need for the legislation. And having the president sign the bill into law was sort of like the icing on the cake in a lot of ways. It's it's a really, really neat thing to take part in. The president, by the way, doesn't always sign these bills into law during formal signing ceremonies. He signs dozens and dozens of pieces of legislation throughout the year at a desk somewhere. And there's not the pomp and circumstance that took place, you know, with Stevie Wonder being in attendance and all sorts of other dignitaries being there. It was it was really quite a scene. That ceremony was streamed on the White House website. Is it archived somewhere for those of us, including me, who were busy at the time it was actually happening and could not? It should be archived on the White House website. You're listening to ACB Reports, and we're talking with Eric Bridges from the ACB National Office. Despite this new 21st Century Telecommunications and Video Accessibility Act, ACB is gravely concerned over the release by Microsoft of a new Windows operating system for cell phones. Please explain. In November, Microsoft is going to release Windows Mobile 7 for its smartphones. Ordinarily, that would sound rather innocuous, right? Microsoft releases new versions of its operating systems for its phone and and or computers every so often. But what's unique about the release of Windows Mobile 7 is that it is going to be completely inaccessible to individuals who are blind. And what I mean by that is that ordinarily, if you have a Windows Mobile phone, several of them are compatible with MobileSpeak software. This version is going to be completely inaccessible. It's going to lock out the text-to-speech software. They're doing this, claiming that this new operating system is going to compete with the Android and with the iPhone. 
the ironic part of that is that the iPhone is completely accessible out of the box to individuals who are blind. And the Android does have some accessible features on it. It's nowhere near what the iPhone is. They're doing this, and they know that it is completely inaccessible, but they're not delaying the launch of the operating system. And um, that's something that we find absolutely unacceptable. Microsoft, for far too long, has really not done much to improve its image within the blindness community. Still does not make available a screen reader as part of its operating system, unlike Apple. Any number of things. They talk a very good game, but unfortunately, at the end of the day, they still do things like this. It's pretty remarkable. And speaking as somebody that has a Windows mobile phone with MobileSpeak on it, I can't understand why, through the development process, they would put together a product that would cut out an entire population of people from being able to use it. Will the phone that you have and I have automatically update to this new version of Windows and therefore shut us down? Or No, it'll just be the new phones. You know, the new sexy phones, Mike, that oh, we always oh, yes. have, oh, like yeah. mm-hmm. everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that, that first generation of the iPhone that we couldn't run out and get, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, you know, to their credit, Apple demonstrated that they could make one of the most complex devices be accessible, and um, Microsoft is going the other way. So once again, the question becomes, what can we do? I would urge you to contact Microsoft to let them know how disappointed you are in their choice to start selling a product that is completely inaccessible to us. There's an individual by the name of Laura Ruby who would be an appropriate person to reach out to. Please be tactful in what you say to her, but please let her know how genuinely frustrated you are to find out that this is in fact the case, that they're going to release this whiz-bang new product that is going to completely lock us out of the consumer market. And how does one contact her? Her email is lruby, L-R-U-B-Y, at Microsoft.com. Does ACB have a plan of action, and what is it? We actually passed a resolution concerning Microsoft at the 2010 convention, and um, we have shared our resolution with Microsoft and have had introductory discussions on the Windows Mobile phone issue, and we'll be visiting with Microsoft formally at their headquarters in uh, Redmond. We've been visiting with Eric Bridges, Director of Advocacy and Government Relations for the American Council of the Blind. The contact information for ACB will follow as we conclude ACB reports for November 2010. But first, as host and producer of ACB reports, I am pleased to announce that you may once again communicate directly with me regarding this program via email. Send your comments and suggestions regarding ACB reports to this address, reports at acbradio.org. That's reports at acbradio.org. And if you don't have access to email, you may communicate with ACB, the American Council of the Blind, at the phone number which follows. You've been listening to ACB Reports, heard on radio information services nationwide on side four of the Braille Forum cassette edition and throughout the world on acbradio.org. ACB Reports is produced at Radio Reading Service of Mississippi, a service of Mississippi Public Broadcasting.
Send suggestions and comments about this program to reports at acbradio.org. Contact the American Council of the Blind online at acb.org or phone 800-424-8666. Thanks for listening, and please join us again next month for another ACB Reports.